ಪಾರ್ಥಯ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿ ಭಗವತ ನಾರಾಯಣ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನ ಗ್ರಥಿತುರಾಣಮುನಿ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣೀ ಭಗವತಿ ಅಷ್ಟಾಧ್ಯಾಮನುಸಂದಾಮಿ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತೆಷಿಣೀ ಯಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವರುಣೇಂದ್ರರುದ್ರಮರು ಸ್ತುನ್ವಂತಿ ದಿವ್ಯೈಸ್ತವೈ ವೇದೈಸ್ಸಾಂಗಪದಕ್ರಮೋಪನಿಷದೈ ಗಾಯಂತಿಯಂಸಾಮಗಾಧ್ಯಾನವಸ್ಥಿತೇನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಂತಿಯೋಗಿನ ಯಾಂತನ್ನ ವಿರುಸುರಸುರಗಣ ದೇವಾಯ ತಸ್ಮೈ ನಮಃ ಏಷಾತೆಸಾಖ್ಯೆ ಬುಧಿರ್ಯೋಗೆ ತ್ವಿಮಾಂ ಶೃಣೋ ಬುಧ್ಯಾಯುಕ್ತೋಯಾಪಾರ್ಥಕರ್ಮಬಂಧಂ ಪ್ರಹಾಸ್ಯಸೆ ಆತ್ಮಾಖ್ಯೋಗಬುಧಿಕರ್ಮಯೋಗಾ these are basically the two topics or subject matters being discussed in bhagavad gita knowledge pertaining to the self and knowledge pertaining to the yoga of action <coughs> lord krishna says that we have so far discussed the knowledge pertaining to self and now may we listen to this knowledge pertaining to the yoga or yoga of karma <coughs> as shankaracharya briefly explained what is meant by this karma yoga karma yoga is performance of karma performance of action with a particular attitude when an action is performed regardless of what action it is well of course i shouldn't say what action it is uh, action which is as we'll discuss keeping in my keeping in keeping in keeping in which the uh, the order so what we call <coughs> action that can be only described as virtue <coughs> or dharma the duty perform as an offering to the lord without an attachment for the personal reward when an action is performed in that manner then that very action becomes yoga so yoga here is the attitude with which the action is performed the attitude is one of ishvararpanam meaning offering it to the lord <coughs> ದ್ವಂದ್ವ ಪ್ರಾಣಪೂರ್ವಕಂ ವಿದೌಟ್ ಕಮಿಂಗ್ ಅಂಡರ್ ದ ರಿಯಾಕ್ಷನ್ ಆಫ್ ಲೈಕ್ಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಡಿಸ್ಲೈಕ್ಸ್ ವೈಲ್ ಗ್ರೀಟಿಂಗ್ ದ ರಿಸಲ್ಟ್ ಆರ್ ಗ್ರೀಟಿಂಗ್ ದ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ನಿಸ್ಸಂಗತಯ ವಿದೌಟ್ ಬೀಂಗ್ ಮೋಟಿವೇಟೆಡ್ ಬೈ ದಿ ಡಿಸೈರ್ ಫಾರ್ ಎ ಪರ್ಸನಲ್ ರಿವಾರ್ಡ್ ಸೊ ಮೋಟಿವೇಶನ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ಈಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಎ ಡಿಸೈರ್ ಫಾರ್ ದಿ ಪರ್ಸನಲ್ ರಿವಾರ್ಡ್ ಬಟ್ ಪರ್ಫಾರ್ಮಿಂಗ್ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಸೇಕ್ ಆಫ್ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಲವ್ ಆಫ್ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದೆನ್ ಆಲ್ಸೋ performing it as an offering to the lord to please him and dvandva prahana purvakam 
without any reaction towards the result. When an action is performed this way, it becomes yoga. It is this whole attitude, this whole spirit is called yoga, which brings about a certain frame of mind, which whole spirit is conducive to bringing about a certain frame of mind, which is conducive to making the mind free from reactions. And thus, yoga brings about a mind that is free from reactions, what we may call an emotionally mature mind, which mind then is fit for what we call the pursuit of knowledge. Also, says Shankaracharya here, that when we perform an action as an offering to the Lord, Ishwara Prasada, one also acquires the grace of Lord. And that grace of Lord then is what enables me to gain this knowledge. So, Karma Yoga, action performed as an offering to the Lord, I mean, earns, I earn, as a result of that, the grace of God. And by grace of God, I gain the knowledge. I gain the antahakana the purity of the mind. And with that mind, I can acquire the knowledge. <coughs> and thus, karma yoga becomes a means for jnanam or knowledge. Buddhya yukto yaya partha karma bandham prahasyasi And Lord Krishna himself praises this the spirit of yoga, spirit of karma yoga. Buddhya yukto yaya partha. Endowed with which spirit? Endowed with which buddhi or the attitude of the spirit? Karma bandham prahasyasi. He partha, he Arjuna, you'll be able to give up this, destroy prahasyasi. You'll completely destroy this karma bandha, the bondage of action. Action will no more a binding factor to you. Action will no more a burden to you. Thus you will become free from the bondage of action, meaning you will become free from bondage. <coughs> then some questions always remain pertaining to action. Sometimes it happens that you perform an action and you don't get any result at all. All that you started, you know, it just comes to, uh, it, it reduces to, it results into nothing. Or sometimes you perform an action and the opposite result also comes. A harm is also created by an action performed by you. So, would it would such a thing not happen to me? Arjuna is concerned here that, Lord, you are asking me to perform action, but action is known to produce this kind of negative results. And would that not happen to me when I perform action in the spirit of karma yoga? yoga? And that assurance is given here in the verse 40 says, Neha Bhikramana Shosti Pratyavayo Navidyade Svalpam Apyasya Dharmasya Trayate Mahatobhaya This verse says, Na iha Abhikramana Shahasti Hey Arjuna, you need not be worried. While performing action with the spirit of yoga, then there is nothing to worry about. As long as action is performed, so who can become a karma yogi? That also should be understood. For whom will it be possible to perform an action as an offering to the Lord? That it will be possible for the one for whom moksha or liberation is the goal of life. So understand that even the person who is a karma yogi, performing action as yoga, also is a mumukshu, he is desirous of moksha. And since he is desirous of moksha alone, 
Therefore, it does not have any other ambitions or aspirations. That is vairagya, basically. Generally, vairagya or the dispassion is there, born of viveka or discrimination. So, karma yogi also has, even though he is engaged in performance of action, he does have a degree of viveka and vairagya, discrimination and dispassion. He has that maturity of the mind to understand that what I am seeking in my life is moksha, is liberation. Is also an understanding that the only means for moksha or liberation is knowledge. He also understands that this knowledge can be gained only when I possess a purity of the mind. And he understands that when action is performed with a certain attitude, that action becomes a means for purification of the mind. Like scrubbing, as we said, like a sandalwood, a piece of sandalwood, which having come in contact with the water for a long time, starts stinking. And the natural fragrance of sandalwood is as though concealed by the stink. And we have to scrub or rub that sandalwood against a stone in order to reveal its natural fragrance. And so also, to reveal the natural fragrance of the mind, it is necessary to rub it against this, rub it against or with the help of this buddhi called karma yoga. <coughs> so when action is performed with the spirit of yoga, then that becomes a means for slowly and slowly removing the impurities from the mind and manifesting the inherent purity of the mind. So when there is this understanding that what I am seeking in life is purity of mind and nothing else. So there are no other aspirations. He is not seeking through the performance of action any great worldly ends. But as long as those aspirations are there, as long as a person wants worldly achievements or worldly prosperity, so long the action will necessarily become a means for attainment of that worldly prosperity. But there is an understanding that I am not interested in worldly prosperity, but I know the nature of those things. I know the world, nature of worldly achievements. I know their limitations. I know that what I have to achieve ultimately it is my own growth, my own evolution. That my own potential has to be uh, invoked. That what I am seeking is something which is within me. It is not that I have to acquire it from without me. And the only way I can acquire it, that which is within me or of my own nature, is to invoke it. And as long as I am extrovert, as long as I am running after the objects, as long as I am running after the sensuous pleasures, there is no way that the inherent joy, the ananda which is here can be invoked. And thus there is a, what I am seeking is an abiding mind. What I am seeking is a mind that abides, that is able to contemplate, that is able to learn, that is able to grasp and retain. This clarity is required. Then alone it is possible for a person to perform an action as a means of purification of the mind rather than as a means of some material prosperity or material gain. <coughs> so even a karma yogi also is a mumuksha. And he would have renounced the karma had he been ready for it. But one cannot renounce the action unless the maturity of the mind has been obtained. So for gaining the maturity of the mind, action is the most effective means. It requires you to rub against the world. Whenever you perform an action, whenever you want to do something, you have to deal with the world. You have to deal with the situation and you are required to rub against the world and the situation. If you rub properly, 
then it is fine. If you rub wrongly, then it's bad. This is to give an illustration of sharpening a knife. That in India, in the olden days, they used to come in our uh, streets, you know, uh, these vendors used to come with a big grinding wheel, a stone grinding wheel, you know, for sharpening the knife. It's done manually. You hold the knife against that wheel, he would hold it and sharpen the knife. So he would go from door to door and then people who want their knives to be sharpened, they will give it to him, hold that knife edge against the grinding wheel. That grinding wheel is always a rough wheel, not a smooth wheel, a rough one. And when the knife is held properly at a proper angle against that grinding wheel, then the knife gets sharpened. But if you and I who may not have that experience, suppose we try to handle that, and if you don't know how to hold that knife, if you hold it wrongly, your knife will be blunt. Because hold it wrongly, and that very, very grinding stone will, uh, will in fact make the end blunt. So you must know how to hold that knife against the grinding stone. So same thing can become the cause of sharpening of the knife or blending of the knife also, depending upon how we hold it. So you must know how to hold that knife against the grinding stone. And similarly also, we should know how to rub against the world. World is like that grinding stone. Our mind is like that knife which we want to sharpen. But we must know how to hold it. If we hold it wrongly, that very contact with the world or the dealing with the world will make the mind blunt. Meaning, will increase only its likes and dislikes and reactions. If you know how to hold it, then that very grinding will be able to bring about a purification of mind or elimination of likes and dislikes. Therefore, karma or the action can become both a means of increasing the reactions or a means of avoiding, removing the reactions. It all depends upon how you perform the action, with what attitude you perform the action. That's the reason why so important it is to know what is meant by yoga. What is this attitude of yoga? With which when an action is performed, it becomes a means for removal of impurities. That's why, as we said, even karma yogi, meaning the one who is performing action uh, as a yoga, also performs it for purification of the mind and not for any worldly and worldly gain. This Iha Moksha Marge, Arjuna, as long as you are clear that what you are seeking is moksha, liberation, then you need not worry. Abhikramanasha moksha marge karma yoga abhikramanasha nasti. So when you are performing karma as a means of moksha liberation and not as a means for any material achievement, then abhikramanasha nasti. Abhikrama is an attempt. Abhikramanam abhikramaha prarambaha. An attempt that you made is called abhikrama. Abhikramanasha is the waste of an attempt. So, Lord Krishna is saying to Arjuna that when you perform an action with the attitude of yoga, with the attitude of offering to the Lord, then your attempt will not be wasted. Very often it happens that our attempt can be wasted. Like Krushi, like the agriculture, that you may, you may make great efforts to till the soil and sow the seeds and all kinds of things you do. Even the rain, sometimes rain does not come, all the effort goes wasted, at least in India. Sometimes rain also comes, 
and the crops also, the crop also is there. And sometimes all kinds of insects come, insects come. They attack the crop and everything is destroyed. Sometimes the weather is just unseasonably cold and then also the crop gets destroyed. So very often it happens that lots of effort that we made, that effort is totally ruined. And so normally there is no guarantee that when you perform an action, that your effort that you have put in, the effort that you invested, will necessarily bring any result. There is no guarantee. But here Lord Krishna says, you need not worry that your attempt will be wasted. Definitely when you perform an action with the attitude of yoga, it will bring about the result. Because you are not seeking result in terms of a material achievement. As far as the guarantee of an action, in terms of producing the material result is concerned, there is no guarantee. But if action is performed as a means for spiritual well-being or spiritual upliftment, then it's definitely guaranteed that any time an action is performed as an offering to the Lord, it will definitely bring about its effect, that effort can never be wasted. So, naiha avikrama nashahasti. You need not be afraid that your attempt will be wasted. Pratyavayona vidyate. Sometimes it happens that action in fact brings about an opposite result. Like medicine. So, a doctor may administer a medicine to a patient. And it's quite possible that sometimes the fellow will be gone, you know. It happens. If there is a wrong, suppose the wrong diagnosis is there. So, a, a medicine that is administered is wrong medicine. It can happen. Like this lawyer was telling the doctor, you know, look, sometimes your clients wind up six feet below the earth, you know, that's what a lawyer is telling the doctor. That your clients wind up six feet below the earth, they do. Because if you make a mistake in administering medicine, of course the doctor was quick in replying. He says, well, your clients will end up six feet up in the air, you know, so it, it's whatever it is. But then this can happen. This is called pratyavaya or harm. That you perform an action with the best of your intention and it can bring about just altogether an opposite result. With whole enthusiasm you invested money in the stock and you will lose it completely also. That is okay, alright. Sometimes some investment will bring such a liability to do that whatever you have also has to be gone, you know, every, everything is lost. So harm also can happen as a result of performance of action. But that kind of harm cannot happen as far as performance of action with the attitude of yoga is concerned. <coughs> because here we are not seeking any material benefit. What we are seeking here is what we call a purification of the mind and that definitely comes. Not only that you, your effort is not wasted, not only that there is no harm, but svalpamapyasya dharmasya trayate mahato bhayat Asya dharmasya svalpamapi mahato bhayat trayate Of this dharma, meaning this karma yoga, svalpamapi, if you perform action, if you implement this yoga, even to a small extent, svalpam, a little bit, mahato bhayat trayate It will protect you from a great calamity or a great danger. <coughs> Bhayat is janma maranadi lakshanat samsara bhayat. This, even the slight implementation of this, you, the attitude of yoga, meaning 
the attitude of offering to the Lord that will protect you from the great calamity of samsara, meaning this whole chain of birth and death or the whole chain of grief and delusion, which is what we call samsara, you will be protected from that. Even a slight, even a little bit of this yoga will protect you. How can a little bit of this yoga can protect me from the whole samsara? The answer is that, that the mind has a, this is the nature of the mind. That if you do something wrong or something bad deliberately, then mind has this habit of repeating. So if you perform a sinful action, there will be a tendency on the part of the mind to repeat that. And if you deliberately perform a virtuous action, then also the mind will have a tendency to perform more of those. If you make yourself give charity, if you make yourself do such actions, which are what we call virtuous actions, you'll find that slowly and slowly the samskaras or habit, this kind of habit gets formed in the mind. And next time an occasion comes, immediately your mind will think of giving something. So it is how we train our mind or what kind of tendencies are cultivated in the mind. Mind is such an instrument. So here it is said that suppose you start with this. May not be possible that you perform all your action as an offering to the Lord. Start with one action a day, two actions a day and slowly and slowly it will build up because you will discover a little joy. Doesn't it give us a joy when you do something good? It just gives us a joy when you can help somebody, when you can do something for somebody without expectation of any reward, then also it builds up. You, you discover the joy of giving or sharing or serving or helping. A great satisfaction is derived from that. And you think, you discover that it's a much greater satisfaction than what you gain as a result of gaining something. Some, some, I think those people who come out there, you can perhaps ask them to come and sit here if they want to. So in this manner, even this habit also will build up. Uh, just perform one action a day as an offering. Then slowly you will like to do it. Then two, three, and slowly and slowly your life will become full of actions which are performed as an offering. As you discover that inner joy, as I say, the joy of feeding is much greater than the joy of eating. Provided you do that. Even remaining hungry, feed somebody. And the internal satisfaction that you discover will then inspire you or motivate you to do it again. So, it is a matter of planting a certain habit in our mind. Habit of yoga. That's why Lord Krishna is quite confident that you start with this, even on a small scale, is quite sure that slowly it will build up. It's like a spark, which when tended properly will become a flame, ultimately will become a conflagration. And similarly also, this whole attitude of yoga will become then a way of your life. And ultimately result into knowledge and result into moksha, and thus protect you from the samsara or the suffering. Svarupam apyasya dharmasya trayate mahatobhaya will save you from all the samsara or the grief or suffering. There is an interesting little story how uh, there is a proverb. If you give one a finger, slowly the fellow will want your hand, you know. This is how uh, the proverb is. This is a story of a beggar. In India, this beggar 
one summer around noon time, this beggar comes begging. This is very common in India. And this lady of the house comes out and sees this beggar and finds that he is very hungry. And therefore, she brings food from inside the house and gives it to this man. Then the beggar requests her, Can I sit here on your uh, porch and eat this? Usually beggars receive the food and go away and then perhaps it's a, eat some, sit someplace and eat. So can I sit here and eat? She says, okay, sit here and eat. Then he said, and he says, but it's too hot here because there is direct sun here. Can I come inside the house and sit and eat? She says, all right, come inside and sit and eat. So he came inside with his food and started eating. May I have a little water? Okay, she brought a glass of water for him. May I have one more chapati? Okay. You know, slowly and slowly he started invoking her sympathy. After he was well fed, it was time for him to leave. Then he says, it is so hot outside, because summer temperatures can be like 105 degrees and, and things like that. So hot, I've just finished my food. Can I just st stay here for a while? She didn't know what to tell this man. She said, okay, sit. Can I just stretch out a little bit? Okay, you know, he stretched out. She went into the room inside. After half an hour or forty-five minutes, she came back, thinking that now this fellow's God is enough rest and that he should leave. He, when she came out, this man was fast asleep. And then she tells this beggar, he, she woke him up. So, okay now. Fine, did you have your rest? Now you can go. And the beggar asks her, Go where? He says, Well, go where you come from. Go to your home, he says. She says he says, This is my home. This woman says, This is my home. He says, No, this is my home, he says, you know. And that is how he stayed there, that's all. <coughs> so give him a little chance and slowly and slowly he will spread his feet and occupy the whole thing. Similarly also, as the negative things like different addictions also similarly enter slowly, you start smoking one cigarette, you know, because of friends, it, it sounds so, um, you know, the friends are there and they tempt you. They smoke and then drink, take out those rings and then it's, it's so fascinating for children then. You also want to try. And you start with one cigarette and then slowly it builds up and soon before you realize you're, you're smoking two packs a day or something like that, you know. So how even the negative things also have this knack of somehow occupying themselves, taking their place in your mind. And same thing is also true with the positive things. That create one positive habit and slowly and slowly it will also build up until it completely occupies you. This is what Lord Krishna has to say. Svalpam apyasya dharmasya trayate mahato bhayat asya dharmasya Swalpam api. Even a little bit of this dharma, little bit of this karma yoga, mahato bhayatrayade will protect you from great calamity, great suffering. <coughs> In fact, a positive story also is, well, another story is very well known in the Puranas in India. When there was a great demon, a great king, very powerful one, his name was Bali. And he had conquered all the three worlds, meaning earth and the nether worlds and heavens and everything he had conquered. And he was the master. 
At the same time, he was a virtuous man, even a devotee of the Lord, but still a demon, and having a certain ego about himself. So he was performing a great yaga, he was performing a great ritual, which involves hundreds and thousands of people, and then so many priests are involved, and it's a big thing lasting over a number of days. At that time, all the gods of the heavens went to Lord, Lord Vishnu, prayed to him that, look, this man is performing more and more rituals, becoming more and more powerful, and thus there is no chance that we will ever regain our positions. So, Lord, you please do something about it. So then Lord is born on the earth, is incarnated as Vamana, as a, a little boy of eight years old. Dwarf, Vamana is dwarf. Eight-year-old boy. As a Brahmachari. So, a uh, very brilliant boy is, is uh, born. And then uh, he is given the uh, different samskara, different rites are performed. And then he goes, he comes to the place where this big ritual is being performed and presents himself before this king of demons, his name is Bali. And this, he's, this Bali is now sitting for performing the rituals and he finds this very beautiful and shining and brilliant boy entering his yagnashala. And then he comes to him and says, okay, what do you want? You look like a very beautiful and a brilliant Brahmin boy. What can I do for you? I'm just so pleased looking at you that please ask, what can I do for you? What do you, what do you like me to give you? Then the Brahmin boy, this Lord in Vamana, says, well, I'm just a student and all I need is only three steps of land. Land that can be covered in three steps. That's all I want. I want enough land to my, for my study and meditation. That's all I want. This king says, what do you mean? If you want, I'll give you the whole earth. I'm so happy with you. Why do you ask for such a little thing? Only land that can be covered in three steps. Ask for the whole earth. He says, no, I just want this much. He says, okay. Here I resolve to give you the earth which you can cover in your three steps. That earth was given. And a miracle happened. This this eight-year-old boy, the student, he grew in size. He grew to such an extent that he filled up the whole, he became what we call the cosmic person. Like Lord Krishna becomes in the 11th chapter, here he became. In the very first step, he covered the whole earth. In the second step, he covered everything else other than the earth. And now, there is nothing left for him to place his third step. And he asked this king, you promise me to promise to give me three steps of land and whatever there is is all covered in two steps. Now please tell me, where should I place my third step? I've covered everything by two steps. Then the king was, as I said, a great devotee, a very intelligent man also. And he says there is one place where your, your which your your steps has not have not covered. And what is that place? He says, it is my head. You not, your, your steps have not covered my head. He presents his head before the Lord. He places his foot. And that is the third step. And that's how everything that this king had is completely robbed. He was robbed of or he was taken, everything was taken away from him. So similarly also this Lord, you think that he lost? You think he was cheated? No, he was not cheated. In fact, he was given everything in another, another sense. Because... Covering with one step this whole earth 
means whatever he has in this world is all taken away from him. Covering everything else by the second step means whatever merits he has earned with reference to the other world also are all taken away from him. All the merits he has to in this world are taken away from him. All the merits he has earned with reference to other world they are also taken away from him. All that he has has been taken away from him. What is left with him? Only thing that is left with him is his ahankara or his ego. And that also is taken away from him in the third step. And so ego also is gone. Then what remains? What remains is nothing but the limitless. That's how he gained the knowledge that he was the limitless. He was not separate from God. So by taking away from him all these material possessions, in fact he was given the limitless. The similarly Lord always comes like this, as a vamana, meaning as a dwarf. We just give him an opportunity, okay, take three steps. And slowly and slowly he, he grows and covers everything, meaning covers the complete being of ourselves. And that is how one is protected from the samsara, protected from this life of grief and delusion. So Lord Krishna says, Svalpamapi asya dharmasya. You just follow a little bit of this dharma, mean this yoga, and you will be protected from the great calamity of samsara. <clears throat> and now in the next verse, Lord Krishna talks about the nature of this buddhi, meaning the nature of this spirit, nature of this commitment. What is the nature of this commitment, which is what we call yoga and sankhya? And in the 41 verse, it is said, Yavasaya Atmika Buddhi Ekeha Kurunandana Bahushaka Hyanantascha Buddhayo Vyavasayana He Kurunandana meaning He Arjuna Iha Again Iha only means the Moksha Marge So here Shreya Marge On this path of Moksha, on the path of liberation or on the path of what we may call the spiritual upliftment. So for the one who is committed to the spiritual upliftment as against the material welfare, so one who is committed to the spiritual welfare knowing very well that that is really what one is, that is going to bring about the real fulfillment in life, as against the one who is committed to the material welfare. So for the one who is committed to the spiritual welfare and therefore one is seeking moksha of the liberation, knowing that this liberation is attained by knowledge which is a means for liberation. For him, vyavasayatmika buddhi eka. Hey Arjuna, this buddhi meaning this commitment is or this knowledge, vyavasayatmika nischayatmika, meaning this is of the nature of a firm commitment or it is vyavasaya here means nischaya, meaning ascertainment. So, there is only one firm ascertainment or one firm conviction as far as this particular commitment is concerned. So, what we call yoga and what we call jnana, meaning performance of action with yoga and then pursuit of knowledge, really, they are not two separate paths. This one path alone or one track of which the performance of action is the first step and pursuit of knowledge is the second step. This is a scheme that is presented before us by Bhagavad Gita. 
The ultimate goal is moksha or liberation. And that moksha or liberation is attained in two steps. The first step is performance of the action with the attitude of yoga, with which one attains what we call antahagana shuddhi or purification of the mind. And second is to pursue the knowledge with the help of which one attains the ultimate goal called freedom. He says, Vyavasayadmika. So one who has discerned and one who has thus a discerning mind, for him, his resolve is going to be firm or unshaking. Bahushakahi anantasya buddhaya avyavasayinam. On the other hand, avyavasayinam, for the people of irresolute mind. So meaning, those who do not have, those who have not discerned the problem of life, those who have not understood what they are seeking in life. And in this category alone, most people fall. Everyone understands one thing, that we are seeking happiness. That is essentially clear to everyone. But what is the nature of this happiness? And where this happiness is, that is not clear. So most people believe happiness is out there in the objects of the world. Because there is a natural attraction that the objects have towards the sense organs. And therefore a person concludes that this is right. That there is a natural fascination or attraction towards the objects and therefore that is a proper thing to do. And that's how. Whatever be their sense impulses, they follow them and pursue them, thinking that that will bring them a lasting happiness. He says, these are the people who are called avyavasayana, meaning people are people who have not discerned the problem of life. They have not learned anything from their experience. They do not realize that in spite of pursuing this happiness from the matter for such a long time, and in spite of achieving what all we have achieved, we have not in any way discovered any lasting peace of happiness. And that what I am seeking is lasting happiness, not just little bit of bits and pieces of happiness. What I am seeking is lasting happiness. And that lasting happiness cannot come from any object of the world where each one of them is limited. Thus what I am seeking is lasting or limitless. And limitlessness can be only achieved by knowledge of a self because that alone is limitless. <coughs> so when this understanding has not come, this vivek or discrimination has not come, then a person keeps on following all kinds of ends in life. Bahushakaha anandascha. Then the pursuits are many and varied. Either there is one pursuit in life, and that is pursuit of moksha or liberation, when the person has the right discrimination and therefore understood. But if the person is not discerned and therefore does not have the discrimination, then you will find that person has how many pursuits? Countless pursuits. Many and varied are the pursuits of those who are irresolute, meaning those who have not discerned the problem of life. Avyavasayanam buddheha bahushakaha antascha Because a person pursues a certain end, thinking that that will bring about the fulfillment. After achieving that end, he finds that this also is limited. And therefore, now seek something else. Runs after another end. Having achieved that, discover that that is also limited. Because whatever you can achieve as a result of performance of action is going to be limited. Because every effort is limited. And the result of every effort also is going to be limited. And a limited thing can, if at all gives me happiness, is always going to be limited. 
I will find everything and anything insufficient or uh, unsatisfactory. And thus I will find that my mind keeps on seeking different things, more things, better things. In fact, more we gain, more sophisticated we become in acquiring even more. What is happening in terms of this realization is, day by day we are becoming cleverer and cleverer and more and more sophisticated with reference to new gadgets of happiness. Because we get more with the same thing and therefore man wants variety. So as long as one is seeking fulfillment of life through the material pursuits, so long there is no end at all. In fact, not only one life is not sufficient, any number of life are not going to be sufficient for a person to gain that satisfaction from the worldly ends. On the other hand, if one has discovered that what one is seeking is limitless, and that is a self, and thus limitless is something to be known and not something to be achieved. It is the achievement of the already achieved, or attainment of what is already attained. It's not attainment of something not attained. And with this understanding when it comes, then one becomes a mumuksha. Mumuksha means a desires of moksha. And then one becomes a jignasu, desires of knowledge. If this has happened, this is the real maturity of the mind. A mind that is committed to the pursuit of knowledge because the mind has understood that what really matters in life is this knowledge. If, if that resolution has come, in that case, things all become clear and things all become simple. There are no conflicts at all. On the other hand, life is full of conflicts when I am seeking for fulfillment outside. Because nothing out there has the capability of giving me the fulfillment. And therefore, there is going to be disappointments, conflicts, struggles. And all the time, mind having the Anandascha buddhaya avyavasayana For those who have not discerned and those who have not understood this problem of life, for them, the pursuits are many and varied. On the other hand, those who understood Vyosayatmika buddhi eka. For them, this buddhi meaning this pursuit is eka. There is only one path alone. There is only one way alone. Without, which, which is free from any conflicts or disappointments or frustrations. Because they are on the proper path. Why do we call it proper path? Because that is a path that is revealed by the scriptures. What do the scriptures reveal? They reveal this fundamental truth of life. Tattva masi that thou art. Meaning, you are what you are seeking. What you are seeking is not away from you. And thus, you have to discover what you are. You are not what you take yourself to be. And thus, you have to know yourself. This is what the scriptures reveal. And if our conviction also coincides with what the scriptures reveal, it's not enough that the scriptures reveal this. But what is necessary is that our conviction also should coincide with this. When we give a thought to this, with proper reasoning, with proper understanding, proper unfoldment, when in our mind also this conviction develops, that tattva masi, meaning aham brahmasmi, that brahman I am. And to understand that, to gain that knowledge, and to abide in that knowledge alone is what I have to accomplish. In that case, then the past becomes very clear, as much as then you are on the right track. Because that's the track that is revealed by the scriptures. If your conviction also coincides with what is revealed by the scriptures, then there is no conflict at all.
on the other hand, on account of either you are not being exposed to the scriptures, or on account of not being able to understand them, or on account of lack of faith or whatever it is, that somehow your conviction is not what the scriptures say. I, I can't accept it. You know? And then you are in search of all other different ends in life, thinking that that is what will bring you the ultimate fulfillment. Bahushakaha anantascha. Then you will find that the ends that you are seeking are many and varied. Well, every end is limited and one end gives its place to another end. That gives its place to yet another end. And thus you find you are chasing from one achievement to the other achievement. And that's why Lord Krishna praises this buddhi meaning, this particular conviction. Conviction that one, what one is seeking is moksha or liberation. And that liberation is nothing but knowing the self which is already free. And that knowledge calls for a certain preparation of mind. Which preparation can be brought about by this karma yoga. When this scheme becomes clear and this conviction becomes firm, then this whole thing also becomes very simple and straightforward. <coughs> okay, I think today, tonight we will stop at this point. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaham Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaham Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhavan Hari Om